It's time to step up and down in a variety of ways. For today, we're going to be talking about scales, modes, and how to use them. Up next. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit. This is episode number 56. My name is David Lane. I'm your host and it is great to be with you once again. As I mentioned toward the end of the last episode, for 2024, I'm going to be talking a bit more about some specific musician tools and some specific musician topics. So there are going to be some episodes like this peppered throughout the year that are a little bit shorter, but focused on really just one thing. And I especially love it when I can take a topic that applies to multiple aspects of musicianship. So not just a music theory topic, but one that's actually applied music theory. It's something that you can use as technique practice. You can also use it for improvisation and of course for composing. So today I want to talk about scales and modes. I'm thankful to have some listeners who are music students who are learning about music partly through this podcast and of course from other sources as well. And perhaps you are a classically trained musician and you might know your scales really well. So hopefully I can give you something new to think about for this episode. So first of all, let's just define, you know, what is a scale? Let's just, I'll be talking about modes in a moment, but modes are really just types of scales to kind of distinguish them from other scales. But the word scale comes from scala, which is Italian for to step, basically. In other words, what do you do when you climb a ladder? You scale it. Or when you climb a staircase, you scale it. And presumably, and hopefully (laughs) safely, you are taking one step at a time. So you're not scaling a ladder if you're skipping every other rung. You're not scaling a staircase if you skip every other step, and so forth. So a scale is simply a pattern in music where by some means you are stepping through a sequence of notes up and down. Now how far must you go for it to count as a scale? Do you need to go eight notes? Do you need to go 12 notes? I think that largely depends on the pattern. Uh, I think you just really need to go enough to establish that you have a pattern, that you have a full sequence. For example, we'll talk about the chromatic scale in just a moment. I, I personally think as long as you establish five notes, you have a, you have a scale. If you have four or fewer notes, you really just have a pattern that's kind of based off the chromatic scale. So anyways, that is just simply what a scale is, is just going up and or down a pattern of notes that is based in some kind of a stepwise motion. Now when we talk about stepwise motion, there are some scales, some patterns that don't go up a minor or major second, but they go up what we would call minor third or major third, possibly more than that. But you get the point. We are stepping through the sequence in one or two directions. That's what makes it a scale. Now I want to talk about what I think are the limitations of traditional classical study. So I'm going to get right to it if you define primarily as a classical musician and maybe you haven't really explored other aspects of musicianship, especially like jazz and well, basically just about anything else. Classical music focuses really predominantly 
on five different scales. This is the major scale, which is basically where you take a starting note and you go through every letter of the alphabet once. You don't skip anything and you start on a, on a note and you go up a whole step, whole step, a half step, and then you go up. The next three notes are separated by whole steps and then you finish with a half step. You can go up or down. And they, even most non-musicians will recognize this as the Do, Re, Mi scale, going Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. It is built off of this scale. So this is the major scale. If you go to that sixth note of the scale, or if you go down three half steps from that first note, you will find the starting note of what would be the natural minor scale. That is to say, if you took all of the notes found in the major scale, but you started on the sixth note instead of the first and went through the same exact notes, including any sharps or flats, you have the natural minor scale. But the natural minor scale presents some problems with the one, four, five, or five, seven primary chords that go with that, namely because it doesn't have what we call proper leading tone. So when we look at the parts of the scale, when we number our scale degrees, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in a major scale, in order, you have what we call the tonic, supertonic, median, subdominant, dominant, submedian, and then that seventh note is called the leading tone. And it's a half step away from getting back to the tonic, getting an octave higher than where you started. So we call it the leading tone. Well, on a natural minor scale, it's not a half step, it's a whole step. So we, we have the same first six scale degrees, but we call it the subtonic, as in below the tonic. And it just doesn't pull. Like, I'm going to demonstrate. Here are the primary chords for uh, one, four, one, five, seven, one in a major key. And here they are for a minor key. You hear how that 5-7 just doesn't quite work. And that is because there is no musical pull, at least according to our ears and how we've learned to understand music. There's no natural pull for that seventh scale degree that's in the 5-7 that's a, a whole step away from getting back to the tonic. So one thing that we figured out in classical music is that it would sound much better if we could make that 5-7 where it uses the seventh note of the scale and raise it a half step. Our chords for our primary 1-4-1-5-7-1 chord progression in a minor key would then sound like this. So then we create a scale with this revision where we have taken the seventh note of the scale and we've raised it a half step. And so now we have our scale, our minor scale, which I didn't talk through. The natural minor scale plays a note, goes up a whole step, half step, whole step, whole step, half step, whole step, whole step. We want to have that half step at the end. But the problem with this is, and I'll play it,
And let me correct myself, it's not a problem, it's a challenge if you're a vocalist or an instrumentalist that has to use their ear. Uh, you no longer have only half steps and whole steps. By raising that seventh scale degree, you're, you're raising it from what was a whole step, so now it is a triple half step. It sounds like a minor third, but it's actually what we call an augmented second. So the solution for that has been the melodic minor scale. And the melodic minor scale, again, if, if harmonic pertains to harmony, melodic pertains to melody. And so for melody, we're just thinking at basically as within the scale, where did we want that true leading tone to reside? We want it to pull back up to the tonic. And that means when we're ascending or when we're going up. So we keep that raised seven, but we also raise the six. So now we have a scale where the bottom four notes are like natural minor and the top four notes are like basically a major scale. So we start off with our whole step, half step, whole step. And then we go up a whole step, whole step, whole step, half step, just like a major scale. But wait, that's only going up. We don't need that raise seven going when we're going down we're going away from that top tonic note so we also don't need the raise six in that regard so in the in the melodic minor scale we lower the seventh and the sixth scale degrees back to what it was for natural minor so if we play the melodic minor scale going up and then going down it sounds like this Actually, as a pianist, I think this sounds really cool if you hear this going in contrary motion because you hear the descending version in one voice while you hear the ascending version in the other voice, and it sounds like this. So some types of classical training because of using the, the natural minor scale in the descending form of melodic, they don't even recommend that you bother with practicing the natural minor scale. They say that's at least halfway redundant. <laughs> really, the only reason to practice the natural minor scale is to get the practice going in the, the ascending direction. But classical harmonies really don't suit the natural minor scale, so we're, it's really said that we're, we're not really using that mode, so you don't need to as a matter of practicing for efficiency, you don't even need to include that in classical modes. So really, instead of the five scales that I, that I alluded to, I may have said six earlier, <laughs> instead of the five scales that I alluded to that you're practicing for classical music, you really are down to four. You have the major, you have not the natural minor, but the harmonic minor and the melodic minor. Well, the other type of scale that all musicians tend to practice no matter what their mode is is the chromatic scale and this is one of the easiest scales to understand it is entirely based on half steps so you move from C to C sharp to D to D sharp or you know call it D flat or E flat but you you hit every single note on the way up or down again I I think you've established a, a true chromatic scale as long as you've made it at least five notes chromatic scale can be any length. It can start on any note. It can go to any note. 
And that's it. Now, once you get into like the impressionistic era with uh, Debussy, especially, and others, you start encountering music based on like the whole tone scale, which is actually the opposite of the chromatic scale. It's entirely based on whole steps. And really, one way to think about it is there's only two combinations. There are two different six note scales. You can use C, D, and E, followed by F sharp, G sharp, A sharp, or G flat, A flat, B flat, and you start over. Or you can take F, G, A, B, and follow that with C sharp, D sharp, or D flat, E flat. And again, start over. So I haven't met a lot of classical musicians that actually practice that scale. They just really just wait for the pieces that use it and figure it out for that piece. They don't practice that often, but it's not a bad scale to know as a technique and one to work on. Now, that's traditional classical study. Now, what's the problem with that? There's, there's, a, there's a few problems with that. First of all, what we call the major minor system is one that, that came to be during the Baroque era. And I'm not enough of a music historian to tell you like exactly when it became established. And, and I'm sure we started getting some of this in the Renaissance era. And a lot of it was only possible due to the development of chromatic instruments. That is to say that instruments that could play a chromatic scale. There are instruments that cannot play a chromatic scale with any degree of ease or even at all. Um, the ones that come to mind are harmonica, the folk harp, and the dulcimer. And I'm sure there are plenty of other, especially folk instruments out there that really only play seven notes at a time. And these are instruments that predate our major minor system. And they're ones that I just mentioned that we happen to still use today. And these are what we call modal instruments. So modal is really the opposite of chromatic when we're talking about uh, just words that we use in terms of theory or, or performance. And the proof of that is that there is a thing called a chromatic harmonica where you can use a button to change a note to be, to be a half step higher than it is. A concert harp can play all of the sharps and flats, but they can't play them all at the same time. Like you can't play a C, C sharp, and a D at the same time. You could do a B sharp, C sharp, and D all together to get a three note cluster and um, throw an E flat in there so you get a four note cluster actually. Um, so yeah, it, it's possible to be inventive like that, but you won't be able to, to do that for 12 notes in a row. So you won't be able to get a full chromatic scale, but you do have pedals where you can change any note to a flat or a sharp, but it takes time and it takes skill. So it's not something you do with ease. So we don't say technically that the harp is a chromatic instrument, even when it has pedals, it can change sharps and flats. So these modal instruments, traditionally, the way you want to think about it is you have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you choose your starting note. So you can go from A to A, or B to B, or C to C, and so on. Well, starting with C to C, we call this the, the Ionian mode. And by the way, these are also known as the ecclesiastical or church modes. And again, very common in Renaissance and also earlier than that. But they represent basically a tonic to tonic, but starting on, in this case, C to C which when you hear it, the Ionian mode is actually the major scale. So really since the invention of the major minor system, we don't 
really need to regard this as an Ionian mode, largely because it functions in exactly as a major scale in terms of the primary chords that we use with it. So you can call it Ionian if you want, but you're playing a major scale. So then we go from D to D. D to D is known as the Dorian scale. And it's actually quite common in Celtic music. In fact, there is a label for Celtic music called the Dorian label. Now, there's two ways to think about all these modes. One, you could say, if you play from D to D, you're playing the Dorian scale. But what if you want to transpose that? Well, it's very close to natural minor. If you were to play a D natural minor scale, you need a B flat which is the sixth note of the scale. So if you raise that up a half step, you are playing the all white key D Dorian scale. So take a natural minor scale and raise the sixth scale degree as if you're doing ascending melodic minor, but only the sixth note. You keep the natural seventh note in. So if you were to take an A minor scale, for example, which natural minor is all naturals, you simply raise the sixth note, the F, to an F sharp, and you have an A Dorian scale. If you take the notes from E to E, all naturals, you have what's called the Phrygian scale. And Phrygian is very close to natural minor, except you need to lower the second scale degree. So E to E this natural minor would have an F sharp, the second scale degree, lower that a half step. So again, let's go back to A natural minor, make that second note a B flat. I find that I hear this scale a lot in Spanish flavored music. Quite often it's harmonized with major chords outside of the scale. So this is the Phrygian mode. And so I like to think of Dorian and Phrygian as minor-based modal scales. Lydian and Mixolydian are the next two scales of the sequence, and they are major-based. So Lydian is F to F. An F major scale would have a B-flat in it. So if you raise that, and that's your fourth note of the scale, if you raise that up a half step, you have the Lydian mode. So let's compare that to C major where you have all naturals in an Ionian or major scale. If you'll raise the fourth note F to F sharp, you'll have the Lydian scale. And one of the things you'll notice if you start improvising with this is it sounds very heroic because you naturally get the chord of a major one and a major two paired together, which sounds Again, in my ears, very heroic. I know it's been used in movies quite a bit that involve adventure, involve heroism. Well, then you have the Mixolydian scale, something I hear quite a bit in pop music. It's going from G to G, all naturals. Well, a G major scale would have an F sharp, which is the seventh note of the scale. So you lower that seventh note. So this is almost like uh, a counterpart to the natural minor scale. It's has all the attributes that make up the major scale except it has a subtonic it has a a note that is a whole step lower so let me pause a little bit what what are the benefits to these modes 
And why do I think they're important to know or as important to know as, for example, your traditional major harmonic melodic minor scales? It's because those three scales I just mentioned are all for the sake of your primary chords, your one, four, and your five or five, seven. But by and large, music over the last 150 years has, with a good bit of frequency, avoided being tied down to those chords. And the thing about Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, and a couple of more modes I'm going to mention, is they don't really work well with those primary chords. I mean, you have a one chord, but the four and the five, not, not so much. I mean, the great thing about a Dorian mode is you actually get a minor one followed by a major four. It's, it's a really kind of evocative sound. With Phrygian, you get this really nice minor one followed by a major two. Well, skipping ahead to the Mixolydian, because of that lowered seventh, you don't have a natural five chord in there. But often, Mixolydian makes use of this descending bass line that goes down to that whole step of the seventh. So kind of in modern pop music, Mixolydian is a more user-friendly alternative to the traditional major where we're not really emphasizing a whole lot on dominant type chords. So the next mode in the sequence is the Aeolian mode, which is A to A. So a lot of these are easy to remember, D for Dorian, A for Aeolian. And, and guess what that is? What, what is A to A with all naturals? That's your natural minor scale. So now, while I just said that you don't really need to think of your major scale as Ionian because you're using it like a major scale, I would not say the same thing for Aeolian. We don't really use the natural minor scale in a modern tonal system. That's why we raised it, why we raised the seventh scale degree to get the harmonic minor. So when you hear a natural minor scale, you're hearing it in a modal way, which avoids the traditional primary chords. And that leaves one more mode, and it's really just an academic mode because it's, it's not very practical unless you are really going for something exotic, and that is the Locrian mode. Locrian is B to B. So if you think about how different from that is, is that from a traditional major or minor scale, well, it's, it's not far from B minor, but you have to change the second and the fifth scale degree, and that's a big deal. So you're lowering the second and you're lowering the fifth, which means that your one chord is not major, it's not minor, but it's diminished. So it really takes a lot of imagination to make a piece work well where your home chord is diminished. So if you wanted the Locrian mode coming off of A minor scale, you need to have a B flat and an E flat. So now we talked about the major scales, the minor scales, the chromatic, the whole tone, and the modes that are not included in the major and minor scales already, such as the Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, and Locrian. There are a few other scales that, not in classical music, but in especially other genres like jazz and rock and, and blues, that we make use of quite a bit. And I would say especially that is uh, that would include the pentatonic scales, the blues scales, and the diminished scale. Uh, 
So pentatonic is one of the oldest scales in culture. When you listen to melodies from your older civilizations, such as Native American or your Asian civilizations, you get a lot of pentatonic modes in there. So pentatonic, of course, it means five. You're only using five different notes. And a lot of times it's either a a major bass pentatonic, which would go, uh, you'd play a note, go up a whole step, up a whole step, up three half steps, a whole step, and then you're three half steps away from getting started again. Or if you have a piano handy, just think of starting on a G flat. So G flat, A flat, B flat, D flat, E flat, starting over with G flat. To get the minor mode version of that, you would start on the E flat. In other words, you'd go up three half steps right away, then you'd go up a whole step, another whole step, go up three half steps, and then finish by going up a whole step. Now, just as you can do with the modes, I don't have any names for them, but you can just take those five black keys, or those five flats that can't also easily be respelled as white keys, and uh, start on any of those notes. Your blues scales comes in a lot of different variations, but one of the most common ones is if you start with a tonic, go to where the minor third would be. So I'm going to take this off of C. So if you take a first note, go to where the minor third would be. In other words, like if we're starting on C, go to a E flat, go to the normal fourth note of the scale. In this case, which should be an F. But then you have a, you you briefly have a chromatic pattern here because you're gonna you're gonna then go up a half step higher, which would be like an F sharp. And then you go to the fifth note, the normal fifth note of the scale, which is a G. So it's like an added chromatic step between the fourth and the fifth. So we're up to a C, E flat, F, F sharp, G. You skip the sixth note of the scale, and then you go to what would be a flattened seventh. In other words, like a B flat. And then you're able to start over. So it's a really, it's a, it's a six note scale. Now, there are plenty of variations where you're adding notes to that. So the blue scale is not really so orthodox, but those are kind of the big things. You've got that flattened third. You've got that little chromatic turn going from four to five. And then the the next scale is really something I think you would find more in in jazz music than anything else I can think of. But it's it's called a diminished scale. And basically, all all you want to do is just think of two diminished seventh chords that are a half step apart. So such as a C diminished seven and a C sharp diminished seven, but play them in order. So the way you might think about it is play a C, go up a half step, then play D sharp or E flat, go up a half step, play an F sharp or G flat, go up a half step, play an A and then go up a half step. In other words, it's a, it's a scale that follows in, in one or the in one of the following orders either with a whole step followed by a half step the entire time or a half step followed by a whole step the entire time so it's that sequence half step whole step half step whole step or whole step half step whole step half step and then you have some other eastern scales where you have like lowered seconds combined with raised sevenths And then there's a whole bunch of synthetic scales. So like you can make up your own scale in modern music. And this is where I'm going to recommend a book 
for ideas if you're composing or if you're improvising. This was a book that was recommended to me several years ago. It's called The Thesaurus of Scales and Melodic Patterns by Nicholas Slonimsky. So that is once again The Thesaurus of Scales and Melodic Patterns by Nicholas Slonimsky. Okay, so now that we've gone over this quite a bit, we've talked about what these scales are. Let's talk about how to use them briefly. So if you're a composer, I would I would recommend especially that you grab that book I just mentioned, The Thesaurus of Scales and Melodic Patterns, and pick a scale, pick a pattern. And, and by the way, I, I didn't mention, but that book it has over a thousand, over a thousand patterns. So you've got so many combinations of scales when you start mixing and matching. But choose your scale and write something that is limited to that. Now, you can also do this with improvisation. Like, pick the scale that you want to work on and come up with something based off of that. And uh, there's two ways you can do it. You can, you can have a melodic part that is solely based off of the scale. And you can choose any kind of harmonies that go with it. So as I mentioned, like with Phrygian, it's very common to have like a major one, even though that uh, major third does not appear in the scale. So you can be very liberal with your harmonic choices while you're very strict with your melodic choices. So this is whether you're improvising or actually composing a piece. You can also, for an added challenge, limit your harmonies to the notes of the scale. You won't always get what is aesthetically the most pleasing choice, but it will challenge you to be creative with your choices. And sometimes that creativity comes from leaving out some certain notes. Like, I don't think I would do a Phrygian entirely with all of the chord notes for the one. I might just leave the leave out that third of the one chord. The final thing, of course, is, you know, I kind of blew past this, but the, the ways that you can use all of these scales, besides just the ones that are taught in classical training, is to practice them one octave, two octaves, three or four octaves up and down. Now, just speaking as a pianist, you're going to find, like, for example, like um, if you take just start on C and do a C major scale or C mixolydian, you'll find that that's very easy to come up with a fingering for. But you have to get creative, like when you do a Lydian mode and you've got that raised four right where your thumb would normally go. So it's going to force you to rethink about the fingering patterns for your scales, especially when you get into like the diminished scale and you've got an eight note scale and you start thinking maybe uh, about nine note scales, 10 note scales, or these pentatonic scales. They, they require different ways of thinking about fingering. And guess what? If you're a performer, that is going to come in handy as you start encountering these types of melodies in music. So for practical uses of building up this tool, let me recap. You have your major scale, natural minor scale, harmonic minor scale, melodic minor scale. I'm going to stop saying scale. This is going to get <laughs> very redundant. So these are all scales. Uh, your chromatic and your whole tone. And then you have, out of your modes, you have your, not to repeat Ionian, but you have, or Aeolian, you have your Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, and Locrian. You have major and minor pentatonic. You have one or more types of blues. You have your diminished scale, you have Eastern modes and you have any kind of synthetic you want to make. So your, your options are very huge in this regard. As a composer, 
or if you want to just practice improvising, take as many different modes or scales over the course of a year and focus on limiting your melody to the notes that are found within the scale. You can choose to be liberal with the harmony or you can limit your harmony to that within the scale. It's good to try both. And then as a matter of technique, work on all of these scales in all of the keys. So if you're feeling really good about your major and minor scales, you're a classical musician, you've made it to this point, thank you and congratulations. I'm willing to bet that very few of you listening have learned, for example, how to play a diminished scale starting on any note. And of course, also skipped over whole tone and chromatic. At least I think I did. (laughs) But practice all of these scales as a technique, not just limit yourself to the four or five scales that are encouraged in classical training. And, And yes, you should do those as well especially if you're ever playing music based off classical harmony. So that is today's lesson, scales and modes. It's something that can be quite challenging, but definitely rewarding as you're making music that has much greater melodic and harmonic variety than what typically tends to get taught. So that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. Not a short episode like I thought it might be, but one that I think that is very important. So scales, modes, putting them to use. If you have any additional thoughts on this you'd like to share uh, about this or any previous episode, you can tell me with your voice directly by going to speakpipe.com slash musician toolkit. Also feel free to send me a message by going to davidlanemusic.com or on any of the social media where I'm at, Instagram at davidlanemusic, Facebook at davidmlanemusic, and of course I'm also on TikTok at davidlanemusic. If you found this on YouTube, I'd be so honored if you would give it a thumbs up and make sure that you're subscribing. And then also, if you have a private studio of any kind, it's worth checking out Fonz to see how it can help you with your admin just to be more efficient, spend less time chasing payments and handling your schedule. And again, this is going to wrap up episode number 56. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back with you again next week.